0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times.
1: You're listening to In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm your host, Ernest Lewis. Joining me to co host is my colleague at ST, Tae Hong Yi. And he covers manpower news and issues as well as the very useful Ask ST jobs column. Welcome, Hong Yi. You want to tell us the gist of our topic next? Thank you, Ernest. Recently, 500 youth participants
2: aged 16 to 34 were surveyed in a new poll on youth financial literacy commissioned by the National Youth Council and is being released on the 1st of March at the website youthopia.sg. In this podcast, we've invited two youths to share their thoughts on how they try to be more financially literate and their thoughts on the survey's results.
1: Subhashini Vijaya Mohan is currently a lead designer with ThinkPlace Singapore. An organization driving change from within the system by partnering with forward thinking leaders in the public, private, and not for profit sectors. She is also a member of the Inspirit community that champions the next generation of youth leaders in Singapore. Kenneth Lowe was previously the co founder of Seedly till last year, and he is now looking at new startup ventures in the healthcare sector. He is also a National Youth Council member. This podcast is brought to you by the National Youth Council, in support of Forward Singapore. So welcome to the show, Subhashini. Hi. And glad to have you on, Kenneth. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. So I wanted to run you by one of the first highlight results from the survey. And basically, this was the finding. Over half of the respondents said they engage in financial planning, with a quarter saying they plan to. Now, this is the key statement. I have the skills and knowledge to manage my finances and meet financial goals. Half said somewhat agree, more than a quarter said agree, and then the rest said disagree. One of the other results that was interesting to me that stood out and sort of links back to this first survey result was this question. How confident are you that you are doing what is needed to meet your long-term goals? And the top response is similar because the top response is, somewhat confident second top response is not really confident and of course it goes down the line very confident and not confident if you look at both survey results somewhat confident that they are doing what is needed to meet their long-term goals and somewhat agree that they are engaging in financial planning so what are your responses to this with your own personal backgrounds like Subhashni what about you do you agree with that
3: I think over time, especially in the last few years, there's been a lot of um, advertisements as well as social media conversations about financial planning. So I'm not surprised that I think generally somewhat people know about it um, or have taken certain steps to actually look at it, I think, with the advent of lots of robo-advisors. So I think the the survey results doesn't look surprising. But personally for me, I think I started quite late. Personally for me, like being a lot more aware and stepping into it was much later in my 20s. So it is interesting to know that somewhat agree that means like majority of the population has a foot in and not entirely surprising because of the amount of advertisements I would say or hmm. knowledge sharing that's available out there today.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, and you are in your late twenties?
3: Um, early thirties. <laughs> early thirties.
1: Okay. All right. Kenneth, what about you? You are in your late twenties or early? Early thirties as well. Okay. So what is your reaction? Is it similar to the answers that the survey showed?
0: Initially, I'm actually quite surprised, Mm. actually, because, you know, we ran uh, Zidli. I ran it for seven years. And I think from the time that we ran it, finance wasn't really like this mainstream thing. Then I think, as correctly pointed out, right, a lot of robo-advisors, a lot of fintech companies was all the rich. uh, And naturally, their marketing budgets also started to expand. So that's where we started to see a lot more happening, brokerages as well. And that's the boom times, right? Mm. So the the markets were up. Everyone was making money. You had people on TikTok giving financial advice. You have people on Instagram, you know, with comics. I think Woke Salary Man is quite famous uh, among the youth. So you will see this rise. But I would also think when uh, things start cooling down a little, like now, because the the market has really entered Mm bear territory, people start to sort of open up their robo-advisors less. They start to open up their financial apps less. And it's quite true, right? Hmm. So, yeah, let's see. Um, I'm actually very happy that people are taking things into their own hands, which they always should have.
1: So overall sentiment, of course, is somewhat agree. They feel they are ready to engage. But the level of confidence is not super high yet. Yeah, so, just on that point Shibashini
2: Shini and Kenneth, when it comes to the both of you, what do you think are the kind of essential financial literacy
0: concepts that uh, you should learn? Maybe I can I can jump in on that first. So, uh, we used to have a, a framework, a money framework, where you sort of look at five different pillars, right? So, everything from spending, savings, uh, insurance, investments. Uh, so, the the whole idea is that you actually have different pillars and foundation sort of blocks of your body. Um, but I would say... As a whole, the the basic things around insurance, like knowing what insurance you need to have, that's important. And don't leave it to a financial advisor to tell you, right? And also making sure that you know what the basics of investments are before jumping in. So on that point about not waiting for a financial advisor to
2: tell you. So if not the financial advisor, who do we learn from? What, you know, what are the sources that you should draw from then?
0: Yeah, uh Chat GPT. <laughs> just, just joking. <laughs> uh yeah, actually it's very, very good uh if you guys have tried it. So you can actually ask complicated financial questions and you get really interesting answers.
1: I need to be convinced of that though. <laughs> <laughs> Thing is right. I mean obviously I'm much older than you guys and all that, but in I find that these days amount of financial literacy a lot of information out there is so much more transparent mm. know, than it was like 20 years ago or something like that. Last yeah. time, we really had to depend on our agents. But now it's, mm. it's all there. Even in the mainstream media, we're covering business news. And all. But I get that the youth are not all the time reading the Straits Times mm. or uh, maybe the mainstream videos. They might be looking for nuggets of information. But why is it that the literacy is still not as high? You know, And they're not that confident.
3: I think one thing I hear repeatedly, it's not really mainstream knowledge. So Mm. being coming from like the Singapore education system, I think the hope it's like something you learn as part of your curriculum and not something that you need to source for. And I think with a lot of information sources then comes which to trust, which to follow. And interestingly, there'll be competing views, right? Mm. So it goes back back to the individual where I think money is interestingly a very personal matter to manage people have different value system, different expectations, right? Which is where this whole financial literacy or planning for your financial goals even start. Like you can't really copy somebody else's plan because you may have your own views of when you want to retire, how you want to retire um, and how much money you think you even need. Because it's so personalized and so customized, I think no amount of information will be sufficient. Mm. So then an individual needs to know how do you go about absorbing this, tailoring it to what you want Um, where do you even start? So I think that's always a question that that people prompt, like, okay, where do I start? Who do I trust? How do I tailor it for myself?
2: Yeah, you're right on that point about tailoring it for yourself. But perhaps I could invite both of you to share about what was your first encounter with this concept of financial literacy? Perhaps just to flesh out to some of our listeners to see whether their experience is similar or whether there are some considerations that they might resonate with.
3: Maybe because, like I said, it started very late for me. Interestingly, it came from volunteering experiences where I often was at Meet the People session, where I see a lot of people coming there because they cannot get proper housing or they are suffering because they have some financial issues. So it was from there that it triggered to me that I better start thinking about my own self and and planning ahead. You know, this common phrase, like, you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, right? Yeah, and I think, I think that was pretty much, like, where it started in me that I better start somewhere. And I went through that hunt where I was reading a lot of articles and honestly lost. I even participated in, there was a lot of free events or sessions that you could attend. I think even Seedly organized quite a number, money, smart, and so on. I always go in there, I feel like, wow, there's so much to learn, there's so much to start. But I always leave with, like, okay, what do I do next? So eventually I, I decided it really takes some time to start digesting some of this information and it's okay to get it wrong. Firstly, I think back to that pillars, right? I, I knew like I need to have like good savings and the go for less risky saving options, which tends to be with the banks, like fixed deposits. I started with that and as slowly as my income went up and I could start portioning out for investment and so on, then I started to read more to think about which was uh, my risk appetite that I could fit it with. Yeah, so I think it it needed to just start somewhere and and trust my own instincts as well as talking to friends. So I think besides just reading, sometimes talking aloud with friends with maybe common values or common aspirations, it sort of gave me a bit more clarity of what I was doing. I did make some mistakes here and there, such as investment-linked products. I think it's very confusing. Mm. Yeah.
2: What about for you, Kenneth? What was your encounter with the idea of financial literacy? What was your first encounter like?
0: I was uh, actually quite fortunate to do this for my startup, right? So personal finance, we realized very early in 2016, 2017, was this thing that was picking up quite a bit because people started realizing that, hey, you know, this thing, in fact, you don't need a finance degree to know what is CPF, what is a fixed deposit, what is a bond, what is a stock, what are dividends, things like that. You can learn it on your own. And uh, we started off very interestingly with expense tracking because that's like the foundational thing that we saw as an entry point. So people want to know how much they're spending on their F&B. Like let's say you eat McDonald's or you eat ramen versus you eat at a hawker center, right? So all these are financial decisions that you make every single day. Uh, and we saw that as a as a gateway and then we started building that out and we launched a community, we launched a content platform. We started realizing that people wanted a, a source of truth that is not just what the bank is telling you or what the insurer is telling you. Because if the bank or insurer is putting out content, uh, it's very often because they want you to sort of buy that product. So how do we give that neutral point of view that is something that is very uh, unbiased and very factual out into the
1: community? So do you think that in the time that you've, since you started Seedly, I mean, think Mm. concepts like risk diversification, compound interest, all these concepts, Mm. are they much more well-known among Singaporean you these days?
0: Yeah, Okay, yeah, definitely. Uh, And it's because, again, you find things on the internet, right? So if you really don't understand that clause in your ILP, for example, if your insurance link policy, you should Google it, right? You should go online, you should find out what it means and what it means for you specifically. A lot of things can be found online, easily digestible, And there are this rise of influencers as well. You guys would know like Mao Lion, Budget Babe, Work Salary Man. So basically financial influencers, right? That are not just some person in a suit because you you sort of don't want to learn from a person in a suit, right? You rather trust someone that looks and feels like you. So
1: that's a trend that we saw. uh, And that's why we built
0: the community also to harness all these views and
1: crowdsource ideas. Is the concept of having three to six months of your monthly salary as emergency savings, is that very hard to achieve these days? Or you think that people are still put off by that? I think it's a must, right? Uh, because if you see like the recent layoffs,
0: um, mm. there's so many people getting laid off. I think it really gives you that cash buffer. Uh, is it difficult to achieve? I think so. So that's why you should put it in a separate account altogether and not touch it.
3: Yeah, same views here. I think um, recently, I guess, with DBS and a few other banks like personalizing the app, where they actually remind you how much savings you have, whether it's three months or not. Uh, I think that's good alerts and reminder, but definitely increasingly it's challenging. I think um, with the recent GST as well as just generally inflation, I do think that people's salaries are not increasing at the same rate. So amongst youths and those are starting out fresh, it it will be challenging, but I guess it's always about how can you start. And and as soon as you can start, it, it will start building the habit. So even if you can't reach like three months so fast, but so long you have it in your mind to get there, then it's, that's good enough, I think.
0: I would pick up on the habits side of things. It's yeah. so important. The moment you have bad habits like spending before you save, it's it's a naturally very bad move to make, right? So you should always save before you spend. So what are the, some of the tips
2: that both of you would give someone looking into perhaps a financial planner or agent or even using digital tools like robot advisors for their investments? And have you personally used such services out there?
0: Yeah, in that time when running Sidley, we have to use a lot of these things to make sure that we sort of know what's in the market. And I think the good thing is that it's really very personalised to you. So I'll give one example, right? Robo Advisors is this thing that really took off like 2017, 2018, where you get globally diversified, low-cost investing um, that is personalised to you. And it's convenient. You can start with a $1, dollar, a hundred dollars. Uh, it doesn't matter. In the past, you, you needed to buy like one whole stock or a thousand of, of shares, right? So there's one lot of, of shares. So fractional investing, all these things are available to a common man on the street. So I would highly recommend uh, looking at these tools. Uh, but, but the big but and the caveat is that don't invest until you have your basics, which are your insurance, your savings in order. If not you will basically be a leaky bucket.
2: Then uh, I think this applies to both of you. Have you, in your personal circles, been seeing the sort of hyping up of these kind of beam stocks or crypto right like is there that? that's sort, sort of formal a fear of missing out because of the incredible appreciation that we have seen. Then how do you navigate that?
3: Yeah, I think it's super common. Like on IG, you can see a number of friends who are actually um, investing in crypto and happily sharing the overnight um, boom that they make. You know, And I think it's extremely attractive because the selling point here is you can make money really fast. But that's where there's the big but again. Um, The question is always for how long and whether that's spare money that you're willing to lose in case anything happens. And I think, unfortunately, the last few months, Um, did show a lot of movements. And I think like with FTX closing and so on and so forth, the crypto market did show that it is very volatile, right? So I think it's only something that people should get in if they are ready to ride the waves. And most importantly, like for me, I only step into this space if I know I can afford to lose the money completely, which is how I've kept myself very grounded on whether I want to step in or not. As you can tell, I'm not very uh, into taking much risk. Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I would say the last two years, we have seen this crazy wave of investments. Doesn't matter if it's crypto, right? So any any stock, it was all on a massive rally. And that was because of the low interest rate environment, right? So it was so liquid. There's a lot of liquidity in the markets. And yeah, I mean, in all circles, we started talking about it. We saw it in the community, we started writing content about it. Uh, But the reality is also that these things are very cyclical to begin with. And it will always be very much the case because it's human emotions. So it goes up, it goes down. And I think as correctly pointed out as well, you just have to ride the waves and be ready to take losses Mm. or just hold it up.
1: Take you back to what you mentioned earlier, right? Uh, You're talking about the basics, right? Managing Mm. cost, actually. Looking at cost, Mm. transactional fees. These days, there's a lot more financial transparency in all these tools. Even the banks do it. So like you said, you have to get these things right in order, right? Because if you're just leaky bucket, as you mentioned, Kenner, you're just sort of Mm. like paying, paying. You're thinking you're investing, getting a lot of returns, but actually you're just losing a lot along the way, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think fees are just one part of it, which are very often misunderstood, right? So like even like foreign exchange rates, all these things are, you can go to Google, you can check what is the Google rate, and then you can check it with your bank to see what's the rates you're getting, uh, and there are so many different ways that corporations and all these tools will want to extract every dollar from you. It's just you got to be smarter than, than this. Yeah. Find us on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or via the Google Voice Assistant and Amazon Alexa-enabled devices. And now back to our podcast episode.
1: Back to our conversation with two young Singaporeans telling us their thoughts and concerns about financial literacy among youth in Singapore. This episode is brought to you by the National Youth Council. So,
2: Kedav and Shobashini, have both of you encountered the use of Buy Now Pay Later apps or have either of you used it before yourselves?
0: So, it's a very uh, touchy subject because uh, Buy Now Pay Later, to me, is essentially the same thing as credit. And it's the same thing that is rebranded because it used to be called installments, where if you can't pay in full, you pay in three, three or four parts. And uh, if you think about it, the reason why they are giving credit to people is because they can't get it in the traditional way. And very often, the youth, which I'm personally very concerned about, right? If you want to buy the Air Jordans or if you want to buy the Yeezys or the NMDs, right? And then you would sort of go and then instead of being $200, you paid $60 or $70 in in three three installments. So it's a perceived value of like spending more than you have which to me, I think is not very good financial prudence.
3: Yeah, and it's actually quite scary because if you don't keep track and if you're using the same function on different apps, for example, yeah. then you may lose track how many other places do you owe money for and you actually don't know your actual expenditure. And it's quite scary, I think, Um, especially starting out with like minimal income um, and you don't know how much you are actually expending over X number of months. Um, and when you can't track it and then you get into a situation where you end up in debt, and I think that's like the last place that financially when you're talking about financial well-being or being educated financially like that's the last place to get into
0: yeah the, the worst thing is that people when they get into debt then they try to invest which doesn't make sense so like some people they are in student loan debts they are in property debt uh, mortgage debt uh, but they also want to invest a lot externally but if you think about it when you actually clear down your debt you are actually earning that four percent five percent however much interest you're paying which is an immediate return, rather than trying to put it in the stock market to try to earn a fifteen percent, where you can lose fifty yeah. percent, right? So I think the priorities need to be focusing on where are your leaky buckets. So I go back to the leaky buckets analogy, and by now pay later doesn't help because it just forces you to have more payment outflows rather
1: than inflows. Yeah, of course, as it snowballs in your debt, your credit debt, then you're just paying. If you're paying minimum mm. payments, or that's even worse, then it snowballs oh, and then yeah. all those years that you're trying to spend to clear it actually that can be spent mm. in minor investments actually you don't need that much actually right mm-hmm. you just need yeah. maybe hundred dollars yeah, to about exactly. five hundred. everyone keeps saying they need ten thousand dollars to invest but actually you don't yeah, mm. yeah. okay so i want to get back to the uh, one of the highlight results from the survey and this was in regards to financial literacy what's the most important The majority said investments for them, actually, is very important. And then interestingly, the next three rank quite closely. So it's savings for retirement, inflation, and then CPF. What about you guys? I mean, what are you interested to find out when it comes to financial literacy? How do you get to that investments part if you can't sort out all your basics, your savings for retirement, inflation, and CPF Yeah,
0: I actually feel that that is also very on trend which is where everyone is talking about investments so naturally it becomes mm. the most important to them but personally i feel actually the one that is really missing from that list it should be insurance and i don't say this because you know i have i'm not a insurance agent or i'm not a financial planner but the thing is that if you think about it logically i always ask this question when i talk to the the team and the community back then in, in Sydney: is that what is the investment that pays you the most when you need it the most and it's insurance, right? Because if you think about it, insurance is really the time when you get into a car accident when you can't work anymore, right? And then you get this payout that you really need it the most when it's urgent. So that to me is foundationally important. However, it's not as attractive as investments because investments is you can get rich fast, quick. So yeah, there's, there's that gap in perception in my view.
1: Okay. Yeah. Subashini.
3: Yeah, I think for me it's interesting that CPF is kind of range low because personally for me, I think a lot of money actually goes there and it would be interesting for me to actually find out more in terms of how can I better make use of the money in there, especially if the recent announcement as well, right, in budget um, where they're going to basically be contributing more. Um, but yeah, I guess investment is really because people want to make money fast um, and it always sounds the most attractive, but it's also the scary place to kind of put more of your attention on Um, I do think the other aspects including savings and insurance are equally important and and CPF why so is because it covers many aspects like I think people always think it's just retirement and you don't see the money but actually even the OA account you kind of use it for big expenditures that will come soon in our lives whether is it housing or education for children and stuff. So I do think like there can be more like financial knowledge and literacy maybe shared on, on that aspect. Yeah.
2: Thanks. So another notable result from the survey is that 6 in 10 of those youth surveyed said that um, one-stop portals that consolidate information on financial literacy would be helpful to improve their financial literacy. And almost half also talked about hoping for increasing support from the workplaces or digital campaigns to raise awareness on financial literacy. So, what do you think can be done to better improve financial literacy among youth in Singapore?
3: Actually, I just attended a youth engagement session um, last week about about this whole topic on you know rising costs and how they want to manage. And I'm not sure if One Stop Portal, I mean, no doubt the result says like, that's the most common or popular. A lot of people ask for bite-sized information that they can easily consume and I think it needs to be accessible and from a platform that they frequent by, by chance. So I guess your Spotify, TikTok are sort of the platforms that they're after. But at the same time, I think, who is it coming from? Like, early on, Keno spoke about some of the influencers and so on. So um, I think it's important whether it's coming from credible sources and they can sort of see their lifestyle sort of matching with these people who they're talking about as well. Because a lot of these financial advisors or knowledge... Needs to come from people who they can relate to in the first place, which is when I think they'll be able to consume it better and see how to apply back to their own lives. Yeah. So what
0: are you kind of? I've always had the view that finance is a tool, so it's never the angle. So for example, you want to buy a house, you actually want to live in the house. Then the loan becomes the mechanism or the tool, the the mortgage for you to get that house. You want to buy a car because you want to drive in the car, so you take out a car loan to buy. You want a pair of uh, Air Jordans. It's the same thing. So I think when it comes to financial knowledge and literacy, context does matter a lot at that point in time when it becomes important. That's why there's a lot of talk about making financial literacy this thing that you learn in school. I have a contrarian view to that because I feel that in school, you get pocket money of $50. To me, it doesn't really matter because you're not earning $3,000 when you first start work. So in, in our case, we were very clear our target users were always the people who are fresh graduates because at that point in time that is when their lifestyle and their their spending habits really get formed not when they have $50 to manage so I think the context of when they get the information is very very important your first paycheck your first credit card your first savings account all those decisions you make will really set the tone for the next 40-50 years all the way to retirement
3: actually I think it depends when the market starts intervening in their lives like I met with interns who are still studying but at that time, they're already too active in Maple Story and so on. And they already started learning how to make money and expenditure at the same time because they are kind of the target audience of some of this gaming world, right? So I think if we need to keep up with times as to when they are being the market consumers. Um, and I think at that time, right, opportunity-wise, it should also come in line. When he mentioned about when you get the first credit card, that's so interesting because back then, like I think just walking around the interchange or MRT station, you become the source of income for these credit card companies, they'll be coming after you and then you're like, oh, credit card, should I get one or not? And there's so much of freebies that comes with it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. so I think it's it's good to also follow with the market and know when are they trying to attack the consumers. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's true. So what do you think are the most kind of difficult concepts for someone who's just starting out with financial literacy to really get a good understanding of?
0: I think the idea of... Assets and liabilities, that was one big thing I learned early on that I think is important. So your house, is it an asset or a liability? Well, it depends again because are you staying in it? Is it drawing down? Is it creating any revenue for you when you're renting it out? So I think these things actually do matter because when you think about financial freedom, which is ultimately the end state that everyone wants to get, like financial independence, retire early, right? That's the fire dream that a lot of people have. To get to that point, you need to understand things like asset and liabilities. And these are things you can learn over time. That, that to me, I think is one important concept, apart from the savings, spending, CPF. Yeah.
3: I think for me, another may not be very finance specific, but it's really understanding needs versus wants. I think people don't know really how to work that out for themselves and know how to work on it over time because the reality is commitments may increase over time depending on their own goals. And how do you keep revisiting this? So I think the concept of knowing what its needs and wants and the concept of um, knowing that financial planning is an ongoing thing, it never stops actually.
1: Yeah, and I guess the key thing is that you've really got to want to make the effort to read up about these things. Educate yourself. You can't just continue going out there drinking bubble tea and thinking, oh, why don't I know this? Why don't I know that? You yeah. know? You, you've got to make an effort yeah. to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why I
0: think, again, context do really matter a lot. So again, when you're a student... All these things don't really matter so much to you at that point. But once, to me, the biggest point where it sets a direction is when you get your first paycheck. Because that's the first time in your life you get $3,000, $2,000, whatever much amount. And what you do with that first 2000
1: matters a lot. So thanks, Subhashini, for giving your thoughts on youth financial literacy.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: And thanks, Kenneth, for all your insights as well. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for In Your Opinion, a podcast series by The Straits Times. I'm Ernest Lewis. And I'm Hong Yi. If you resonate with the points raised,
2: do share this podcast episode with your friends and family. If you'd like to read our columns, there are links in our podcast text description.
1: This episode was brought to you by the National Youth Council. Thanks for listening. That was a podcast by The Straits Times.